Welcome back. It is the Omni Talk Fast Five. We are live on June 18th, 2020. And if you're listening to us on our podcast or video channels, it is likely June 19th or later. All right. This is a fun edition of the Omni Talk Fast Five. We're calling this our cabin edition. For those of you that might be watching this on video. Why would that be, Chris? I can't imagine. I don't know, Anne, but that is a beautiful lamp that I, I am not even sure how to describe its face is made of uh what looks like the wood, wood of a tree yes and uh that's what is the, that that's what? the like that's the decor in the north woods up here in minnesota everything has to have a put a little wood on it you're right i think it, using alliteration i think it's a lodge lamp the to describe those who can't see it it's got a what is that a douglas fir tree and moose moose, moose and with large uh, antlers on the shade pine. all of which are on the shade oh it's yes. a pine tree thank you pine. I, don't, I don't yes i don't know my trees all that well yeah that's okay we won't hold it against you even though it was your alma mater's mascot so let's move on and that's a very interesting story by the way which we won't get into but maybe some other show Please will don't. talk about how the tree came about it's actually a interesting story in political correctness but emma you're also coming to us from a cabin out in michigan how yes. are you this fine morning i am great i'm staring right at lake superior out the window couldn't be better that is awesome that is awesome yeah you did you did a drive from minneapolis to michigan this week right what was what was the covid drive like for you it it's really interesting because you know you get to Michigan and everyone's wearing masks, but every other state, no masks anywhere. And same with going from New York to Midwest, no masks, not a single person. And everyone stares at you funny for wearing them. Yeah, we were, I, I th- it must have to do with something like getting through the hearty winters of the Midwest where people are just like, yeah, you know what, we'll figure it out. I don't know. I can't yeah. figure it out. It doesn't, doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me either, especially when we all, we're all willing to stay inside. Uh, and not go anywhere. But yeah, ask me to put a mask on and people just get a different perspective on everything. But this is also our first week without Carter. So I got to ask you guys, do you miss him? And oh, of course we do. Yeah, it's not going to be the same without him. We're gonna I still like, like we said last week, I mean, he's, he's my neighbor. So I still get a taste of, you know, seeing Carter and waving at his family and we get to, you know, throw retail stories back and forth across the sidewalk. So it's not like he's gone. It's just different. But we, yes, we miss Carter on the show. But it was That's a fun farewell show. I thought that last week we had a good time. Yeah, it's like a hot and heavy relationship that's still a friendship. I see what you're saying. We're I, just I, friends I see, now. Exactly. I yeah. see how that works. Yeah, we're just friends yeah. now. It's just friends yeah. now. No, I think we, I think we all miss him. Um, uh, it was a great ride while it lasted. And this will be our first show without him. So, Carter, I'm sure you're listening. We miss you, buddy. Uh, but let's get to the headlines. The headlines this week. This is fun. Last week was much, and always this is unintentional. It's really just, we sit down, you know, now the three of us, and we look at what are the top stories that have come throughout the course of the week. Last week, it was a lot about cool and interesting tech and also things that were happening overseas for the most part. But this week's different. This week, we get a little bit, I would call it, quote, unquote, mass in the topics we're going to talk about. We do have one cool story from an interesting, interesting startup. But really what you're seeing here, I think the theme that's really starting to emerge over these past few weeks is, and everyone knows this, things are changing really fast. And you're seeing companies start to 
hasten the pace at which they're trying to change things. And you're seeing some companies do that well. And other companies, you're kind of look at them, looking at them and saying, mm, not sure that really is going to make a difference here in the long run. You know, last week, I think we teased that with the story on Zara. And this week, we've got it even more so. So it's going to be fun to dive in. It's going to be fun to get all three of our opinions on these topics. We've got great stories, of course, from Walmart. Walmart's been in the news quite a bit lately, so we're going to devote a significant amount of time to them. Of course, we'll talk about Shopify in context of them as well. Staples. And last but not least, a cool startup called Branch. Can we start with our sponsor first, Chris? Yes, I think we absolutely then should. Then we should get into story number one. For sure we should. So let's talk about Takeoff. Yes. Takeoff is transforming grocery by empowering grocers to thrive online. The key is micro-fulfillment. Small robotic fulfillment centers that can be leveraged at a hyper-local scale. Takeoff also offers a robust software suite so grocers can seamlessly integrate the robotic solution into their existing businesses. To learn more, visit takeoff.com. All right, Anne. Okay. Now that we're back on track. Let's do this. Um, so by far the biggest news of the week, everybody, um, you're under a rock if you didn't hear this one. Uh, Walmart has announced a partnership with Shopify. So the deal will open Walmart's marketplace to Shopify small business sellers with a goal of bringing 1,200 Shopify sellers to the marketplace this year. So the partnership will expand the reach of participating brands by putting them in front of the Walmart marketplace's 120 million monthly visitors. Huge news. Chris, you wrote an article this week in Forbes about this. Um, Everybody's talking about it. What are your thoughts, guys? Yeah, Emma, let's start with you because I did write about this pretty extensively. And there's been a lot, actually a lot of chatter on social media about this. What's your take here as as the resident Gen Z yeah, I think it's awesome. I was thinking through what this means for all these sellers on Shopify to get that broader audience of the Walmart customer base. And like my brain was just exploding trying to think of all the different ways that this could change retail and if other partnerships with Shopify happen going forward. I think that is just great opportunity for the smaller merchants on Shopify. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I mean, I think um, I wrote a piece earlier this week. Some Actually, some people on, on social media have said it's one of the best pieces I've ever written, I, which is fascinating to me how that works sometimes, because I think the piece in total took me about an hour and a half to write. Um, so it's amazing you, it's quick, how quickly some things come and how much time you spend on others and, and what the reception is. But yeah, it's doing pretty well. And yeah, I love this move. I think it's it's just a great move by, I think, both parties. I think it's one plus one equals three. Uh, as you said, Emma, I think it's it's great for the sellers in the sense of it sounds like they could always place the products on Walmart's third party marketplace before, but it was a much more onerous possibly process than what now can happen. Um, and so I think, you know, having that distribution is valuable. Uh, the other part, part I love about it is and I think this is subtle and not a lot of news media pick this up. But I asked the second question, which I think made the piece stand out is they can also return the product to Walmart. Uh, and so I think by having that distribution and then have it, having a consolidated re- point of returns when you're an e-commerce vendor, I think that's got to help a lot in the long run. Now, how, do they have that all figured out? No, but there's got to be ways to create more value across all the parties involved in that partnership uh, in the long run. And then I think it's really interesting too as well. Um, one of the parts I brought up was I, I think as you start to talk about, it's a great feeder for Walmart to understand what brands are people buying. 
and what brands should potentially go on their shelf, what brands should potentially have shopping shops with some of the different omni-commerce uh, uh, platforms that Shopify has been developing. There a few years ago, they were trying to build their own stores for these for these companies as well. So you know they know how to do that or are thinking about how to do that. Um, and then the other part that somebody brought up to me on social media is, uh, you know, you can't forget Walmart's distribution network too. You know, Shopify has been trying to build that out. They bought some fulfillment capabilities, you know, you know, in terms of almost the table stakes play against Amazon. But how does Walmart start to play into that? You know, does Walmart start to sell fulfillment as a service to these companies too? And and is this Shopify partner an inroad into that? It's a piece I didn't think about, but that someone smartly brought up. And yeah, there, there's just a lot of option value created off this partnership in the long run. And I don't know, anything else to add there? Yeah, I mean, I think the other big thing is the small businesses and what they were doing before this, you know, like with, with you know, for a small business on Shopify to sell on Amazon right now, it's, you know, or to sell on Walmart previously, they had to either hire a third party um company to help them kind of bulk upload batch items, get them up there. And now, you know, it's, it's a simple for these, these businesses as once they're approved by Walmart, being able to just turn it on and add their product to Walmart seamlessly and then update product details and images and all of those things in one spot instead of having to, you know, do that in multiple places. So it's going to say, excuse me, save small businesses quite a bit of money. Um, to be operating on this. And I think Chris, to your point, I said the same thing about ThreadUp when they announced that partnership a couple of weeks ago, like the ability to have 4,800 locations for your returns and in a spot that you may already be going anyway. For I mean, sure. that for, for me, I think that's the biggest uh, value proposition here for those small businesses. One other thing I think that we'll be keeping an eye out though, is Shopify has made these crazy announcements. Like they're just, they're blowing up right now. One thing that I was reading that I think is interesting for us to just keep an eye on is will Shopify go the way of Amazon in starting to create their own products? And right now they said that they have no intention of, you know, creating Shopify essentials the way that Amazon's created Amazon essentials. So you have a lot of trust from these small businesses that, you know, their product Mm -hmm. on the Shopify platform is Mm -hmm. going to be kind of safe for now. Mm -hmm. So I think as, you know, whether or not they continue to do that, we'll have to see. But that's something that, you know, especially to your point, Chris, as you get more information about what people are buying and you have, you're the holder of all this data. Yeah. I hope, it, I hope to hell they don't do that. I mean, I, I, think, do that, too. I think that brings the, the whole quote unquote house of cards tumbling down, to be honest. I yes. mean, the risk is there already for the, for the sellers just by putting their products on Amazon's third party marketplace or anywhere else, quite frankly. Right. I think the other point you brought up that I do want to cover real quick, and then we'll move to the second story is there's been a lot of talk in the media as well. And on social media around like the idea Walmart is only going to place 1200 vendors on their site or 1200 sellers, excuse me, on their site over the next year. I personally wouldn't read too much into that. Having run, you know, parts of targets e-commerce business, that number is totally arbitrary, quite honestly. And I think it's just a sound personally. I just think it's a soundbite for the media to say, look, we're not just going to flood everything. We're going to, you know, dip our toe into this partnership over time learn what we don't know, which is just the right way to do it in general. So I wouldn't hold to that number. It could be probably more. It could be less. The big question is, where is this thing three to five years from now? And can they unlock all that value? So please, if you're looking at that number, I I wouldn't put a lot of stock into it. All right. Story number two, Emma. 
All right, so Dick's Sporting Goods has announced the opening of two new concept stores. First concept is gonna be called Overtime, and these stores will offer an expansive assortment of apparel, footwear, and equipment at up to 75% off of the brands that customers have enjoyed shopping at Dick's for years. And then they're gonna have new markdowns added throughout the year, keeping inventory at the outlet centers fresh. The second concept called Dick's Sporting Goods Warehouse Sale Locations will offer deeper discounts of up to 90% off. And these clearance stores will provide a temporary pop-up style shopping experience for customers in these communities over the next six months. So I love this story. I think it's a great move for Dick's. And based on where the locations of these stores are, they're outside of cities. They're, I just love, I love that. And then I think more and more retailers are embracing the concept of creating an outlet store. I'm seeing this all the way from like high-end designers and down from there, probably because of COVID and everything that's happened. But I think this is a great way for Dick's to push more inventory and you're getting more of a customer base by offering those discounted items. And then I also think the idea of doing those pop-up experiences in the warehouse locations is really cool because that adds an element of surprise and hype to a category of retail that doesn't usually get it. And since they're outside of cities, you know, how often do you hear of a pop-up in the middle of Indiana? So I think that that's really cool. And mm-hmm. I'm excited yeah. to see how it goes. Yeah, interesting. I'm not sure where my head is on this one, to be honest. I, I literally have no idea how to read this story. I'm curious both of what your takes are to help inform my opinion on it. And what, what do you think? Well, I, you know, at first I, Chris, you and I went kind of back and forth on what do we think about this and yeah. how does this, you know, you and I had kind of a, a good battle, I think on like the off price sector. And if it makes sense for more companies to start, like Emma saying, going to this outlet model. And I think one point that you and I were debating is, you know, the whole, can you have an e-commerce site if you're going to this off price model and how does that work? I mean, I think Dick's can do that. They're starting with their, they have a pretty robust e-commerce site and they have mm-hmm. access to track all those products so that I think I would assume that for the customer, that experience should be, should still be pretty decent. Um, where I really like this story though, where I think it really has legs is in the pop-up mention because I think it allows Dick's to test a lot of like bare bones. You're going into a warehouse, you're putting all of your leftover stock that was filling the stores and taking up a bunch of space and making it look like a garage sale in there. Now you're able to free up your store footprint to get rid of all that stuff to not, you know, have it taking up space and allow, you know, more events or other things to happen in the flagship stores or to consolidate the real estate. So you don't have as big a box. Cause I don't think that you need the giant warehouse, you know, Dick sporting good 200,000 square foot store anymore. But what this does is I think it allows Dick's to test the pop-up concept because where should you really have Dick's? Where can you serve your customers best? It's at baseball jersey pickup sites. So what happens when you move that pop-up experience from a warehouse to a smaller format? You've got the mobile point of sale ready. You can do transactions on site in those kinds of things. Whether you're dropping your kids off at the camp bus, like to be able to have a Dick's presence in some of those that is much more flexible, I think is where this could really start to take off and have legs. But you're shaking your head at me. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I I don't know. Like, I think... I think you guys are actually making me think of the other the other way. I think I think all of that sounds interesting and cool, but I think ultimately um, some of that is it's it's really hard to. I think it's it's the pop up dynamic pop up dynamics are really hard to do when you're talking regular price inventory and you have to move that from place to place and make sure you get through it all. 
So as much fun as it is to talk about bringing these items to like the different seasonal moments throughout the life, that's actually what the real kind of dicks is for. And that's what your promotions and your marketing are for too. And so like that type of thing really only works when you have like clearance. I mean, think about it. I mean, and down the street from us, we've got, you know, a ski and sports shop where, you know, every season they have their end of clearance sale in the parking lot. That's ultimately what we're talking about. And so as I listen to this and read about it, a part of me is like, I think it just still feels really old. Um, like you're basically saying, all right, let's create outlet shops and let's do one that's 75%. And then, oh, let's do another one that's even better at 90%. And so I just, I don't know, I just start to worry that you're taking your product down market because you just don't have any other choice. Uh, and, you know, then what happens to your over the long, and again, this is a long run view, but over the long run, then what happens as e-commerce continues to accelerate and what that, what does that imply for the products that you are trying to sell in decks? Like I'm about to put out market beyond's report this week on the top trending items uh, online at Amazon and Walmart. And do you know what one of the brands is at, at Amazon? It's freaking Lululemon. Like that's how easy it is to get all of these cool products through third party sellers through those types of marketplaces. And we're a long way away from that distribution being closed down so or, or tightened up. So I just, I just don't know that I sense this. Uh, the other thing is like, the other thing is the off price sector just appears like it's going to be more and more of a bloodbath, right? You've got, especially with COVID, you've got COVID happening. All these retailers need to liquidate their inventory. And so like, you know, what's going to happen in that space? Macy's continues to move down this, putting more backs down this path, moving more backstage uh, concepts into their stores. So you're just going to get, I feel like the retailers are congealing towards let's go off price to solve our problems, but it's not fundamentally getting to the root issues that are at play here of why do I come to a store and, and COVID's just going to exacerbate that too. And even I just looked at the numbers in Placer's tracker. Um, if you guys haven't seen that, it's awesome. Placer.ai is a COVID tracker. Like store, store footfalls to companies like TJ Maxx are still down. We're down 20% yesterday. So, you know, this is still, this is still going to be a tricky, uh, a tricky dynamic, you know, in the marketplace here over the next six months to a year, at least. I don't know. And I'm curious, does that change your mind? You're thinking at all or like, I mean, I, I understand your points for sure, but yeah, I don't know. I still think that you're dealing with a different category too. Like, you know, as the sporting goods sector, I think, especially, you know, when you look at kids and recreation like those things you you need to buy versus some of the other stuff I don't know that that you know the footfall or foot traffic into a TJ Maxx or some of these off-price sectors is going to be quite the same um I I think we start to get into these comps again like I you're seeing all this data come out and it's year over year comps that are all this not all these numbers being thrown out of like oh we're up we're down you know I think every every one of those numbers is being very carefully utilized to craft a story in uh the author's exact direction so i'm i'm a little skeptical of i yeah i agree i, I agree as an that indicator for what's going to happen yeah know. and it's probably a little bit of a tangent i went on too unfortunately but like don't we already have this too don't we have like things like played against sports and all that kind of stuff that are like already doing this i mean i guess it's not reused resale items but it's the same idea as a discount so i don't know i just don't i just don't think this is that that creative, but uh, all right, who knows? Let's talk about something that I personally think is even less creative and even more of a 
canary in the coal mine for the company uh, that reported it this week. But yes, guess who doesn't sell groceries but does deliver via Instacart? And that is Staples, a great headline from Chain Storage this week. That's right, Staples is launching same-day delivery at roughly 1,000 stores with Instacart. Uh, the service offers customers an array of products, including all the usual wares you find at Staples, like home office uh, products, back-to-school products, cleaning supplies, even cleaning supplies, etc. Oh, and they also went on to add personal protective equipment. You can tell what time we're in. If it's in stock. If it's in stock, right. Each order begins the typical way. You enter your zip code, you go on the Instacart app, and then the Instacart shopper heads out and shops the products. You also even get the opportunity to earn customer rewards with this. Oh man, Emma, you're 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 you're, you're Stables the East Coast company, Boston. You're not too far away from there in Jersey. What 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 do you think on this one? I'm not sure how successful this will actually be for Staples. Although I will say sometimes like if you need a roll of tape to mail a package and it's like the last day you have to mail a package, it'd be really nice if someone could deliver it to you because I never lived close to a Staples. Like that was like a 30 minute drive to get out there. I don't even know where one is in the Twin Cities. But what I'm more excited about is like, yeah, (laughs) what I'm more excited about is where is other kind of partnerships that Instacart will take outside of groceries. like. Maybe, will they start doing returns? Could they someday get into apparel? Things like that. So I think this is the, this is the first move outside of groceries. And I'm really excited to see where that will go. Yeah, and I don't know if they've done, I can't remember if they've done other things outside of groceries. We'll have to check that. But like, yeah, it's actually a great move for Instacart and branding. 100% agree with that one. That's a great take, Emma. And you're smiling. Um, unless what? unless that Instacart driver has a printer in his or her car that they can deliver documents to me, I cannot think of anything that I need delivered from Staples in an hour or less. Not to mention, how much does that pack of highlighters end up costing when you add on the Instacart fees for that one delivery, the environmental impacts? I don't know that I'm buying at Staples, but you keep on... Way to, way to give it the old college ruled wide leaf paper try. Yeah. I I think this is one of the like scariest stories we've had in a while. Like you talk about the retail reckoning. I think this one is scary as hell because it shows a number of things. You're right. To your point. What do you really need? Okay, sure. Yeah. You have the tape emergency, which am I got to tell you, I've never had one of those, but I could see how it would happen. You, but you know, you have the printer ink emergency or like, God forbid, a actual staple emergency from staples because you got to put those pieces of loose leaf paper together. But like, it doesn't happen that all that often. And then by the way, if it does, I have other options like Amazon, or I'll just drive to my local Target and Walmart that probably carry the essentials that I need in an emergency. And in fact they do. And that's kind of what their whole office supply assortment is predicated around. So like there's other options out there from a consumer perspective. I don't think this solves anything. And what's really scary to me about it is that it foretells a lot because it tells it tells us that they're worried and they're now having to go to third-party delivery to solve their e-commerce issues or their lack of a digital presence or how they're thinking about that strategy. Like a better way would be just freaking sell your stuff through Amazon um, in a lot of ways. But like, yeah, and, and Instacart, as we've shown in a lot of our writing, is incredibly expensive relative to the other options you can deploy. And so it comes back to, and we've been having, I've been having this debate on social media too. It's like, what is the reason you're going to a Staples anymore to begin with? 
when so much can be done online. And if your answer to solve what you can do online is a really expensive method of fulfillment, you're just digging the grave even deeper, I think, in my opinion. And so again, it shows what are the value of the stores? And there's going to be a lot of reckoning in terms of trying to right size exactly how the Staples operation works in the long run. Yeah, I think like, and and getting more upstream from the issue, like Emma was saying, a tape emergency. Okay, what is the emergency? Is it that you need to return something to your UPS store and you don't have packaging tape? Like to Emma's point, you know, Instacart thinking like, okay, yeah, as Staples, we'll offer you, we'll do package pickup. We'll pick up your returns here and we'll box them up and get them ready for you and we'll deliver your products. Like um, Dan Fondazan uh, also making some comments here on LinkedIn Live. Hi, Dan. And Dan said that, yes, this would be amazing. Having Instacart to do returns would be. Yeah, I think my question on live stream to Dan is, yeah, for returns would be amazing too. But even when you're in those meetings in those situations, like do you you necessarily have to go to Staples or can you go to one of the other outlets to have the same thing accomplished? Or even in that situation, is it easier just to send a gopher out and run to Target or a Walmart or your local grocery store to get what you need? Um, I think that's the tricky, I think that's the tricky part in all this. All right, well, let's keep on rolling. All right. Good good pace today. I like it. And you're up next. Let's go to story number four. So Walmart in their Fayetteville, Arkansas location will now move to self-checkout lanes only. So they've removed all the belt lanes. They're replacing them with self-checkout counters. And the goal is to see if this increased use of uh, self-checkout will help speed up purchases, providing a safer experience for the shoppers with less interaction. Um, And according to the company, they will still have employees that will be there helping with self-checkout for things like groceries, um, especially too, if people want to just go through the normal checkout process, they can have that. But all in all, you know, moving towards this new model, I love this. I think uh, it's super smart. They're doing what Walmart uh, has proven they can do with Sam's Club very well. They're going all in on this. It's not a hundred, there is that like weird caveat of you can still check out the normal way that I'm, I'm a little worried about because I think it sends mixed messages. Like, so what exactly am I supposed to do? But you know, Chris, you and I were talking about this yesterday. Like if anybody can do it, Walmart's the one who's doing it. You wrote a piece in Forbes talking about, you know, how this can extend to other sectors of the apparel specialty apparel industry in mm-hmm. particular, but, uh, but, you know, really smart move going all in and really creating that experience so that people know what they can, they're going to get and they can know what to expect when they go into this new format store. Yeah. I think great points on clarification too. And it's, it's not a checkout only or a self checkout only store. You can still get help and have people uh, assist you with the bagging and packing of your groceries and the scanning of your items if you want. So it's not that they're, it's not like Sam's Club now, for instance, where everyone has to shop it this way. It's just basically infrastructurally predicated on the fact that everyone can do that that way if they want to. And that's how the lanes operate. So if you need help, you need, it sounds like you need to call for assistance. Um, Emma, anything to add here? Not really. I think the choice of, Arkansas for where to test this is interesting. Yeah, for sure. But that's really the only kind of point. I did, I added that line in our notes that say, that says that you can still have someone, you know, check you out like normal. Cause mm-hmm. I definitely thought that was interesting. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I love the self checkout only concept. I, that's something that I would use in a heartbeat. But yeah, Jerry Spell, Fayetteville, Arkansas. Yeah, no, I, that's a really good point. I hadn't thought about that. I, Anne's right. I did write a piece late last night about this. Cause I absolutely do love this. And I think, yeah, the dynamic there is 
this is really out in front of things. I mean, to do this and to do it, you know, the average Walmart Supercenter, I found this out from Walmart yesterday, is 183,000 square feet. So they're taking roughly a 180,000 square foot store and they're saying, you all are going to shop this really differently or the setup that you're used to is going to be really different. So putting in Fayetteville makes sense because you probably have a little more license for that experimentation and you can be closer to the ground to see how it works. But what's great about it is they're, and you said it, they're doing it. Um, and this appears to be a logical extension of Walmart's test and learn approach over the years. Walmart had a scan and go program at its stores. They shuttered that because they didn't have controlled exit points. And the rumor is there was a lot of theft related to that. But at the same time, they've had scan and go at Sam's Club since 2016. They have Sam's Club now. They have what's called a Walmart fast lane scan and go uh, option up in Canada with a controlled exit. And so what you have here now, which I think is really smart under COVID too, because people don't want to go through the cash lanes. CNN has said it's the most dangerous part in this store. Now's the time to try this. And this is a hybrid approach where you still create that controlled exit point, which helps with theft, but everyone has a self-checkout option, which also still from a grocery trip experience makes a lot of sense because you still need to weigh, there's still weighing of items that needs to be done. You still have to bag things. You can't just necessarily use the mobile option either. So I think it's great. And if anything, what it tells me, and this is what I wrote the piece about, the other industries need to get their butts in gear. Like if, if Walmart can do this at 180,000 square feet, why hasn't a 1,500 or 3,000 square foot apparel store in a mall tried this in some way, shape, or form? doesn't have to be with a self-checkout machine. could be with a scan-and-go operation. could even be with whatever the hell you want it to be. But, like, it's not that hard. Many of you have, like, almost 1,000 1, stores in your chain or 500 stores in your chain. Take one of them for crying out loud get some guts and do something because honestly, the only other option is let me watch as mall based retail dies. And I don't learn how to get any economies of scale in my operation and return on my payroll. And then by the way, there's all these ancillary benefits, which if you can figure out how to do this, well, your inventory accuracy is better. You can ship from store. You can offer better online uh, services like buy online, pick up in store and curbside, but put all that aside and just be like, well, you know what? This is just a better freaking way to shop and get with the program and do something. Now is the time. No one wants to go. You think a cash register, sorry, I'm going on a rant here. And, you think yeah. a cash register is the most dangerous store, dangerous part of a grocery store. Imagine what it's like at the Gap or J Crew. Everyone is standing up there. They're standing up there for a long time. There's a big line and everyone's touching and folding clothes. It doesn't make any freaking sense. So come on, apparel. Get with the program and get inventive. All right. Anything to add on that? End rant. Woo! Felt like Dennis Miller there. I went back to Need a cigarette after that one. Yeah, right. Uh, Chris, let's, are you okay to move on to story number five or do you think you need a minute? Need I think I'm good. I'm thinking, okay. should we move on? Let's a moment of on. Zen. Right. We don't, okay, let's go. I, and I, I think I have story number five too. So I'm going to bring myself down. <laughs> yeah. It's a good now. one. It's a good one. Now, as, as, as uh, Mr. Costanza used to say. All right. So story number five is just a, just a cool, interesting story from a new startup. Uh, and it has to do with a startup called Branch. So Branch this week launched a mobile wallet capabilities to provide immediate debit card access. So Branch, if you're not familiar, is the upstart, quote unquote, challenger bank, which I looked this up. is just a cool way of saying a startup digital bank. <laughs> 
that works with employers. And it announced this week that it has partnered with MasterCard to offer cardholders instant access to their funds via Branch's MasterCard debit card by, and this is the key, adding it directly to mobile wallets like Apple Pay. And that happens through the Branch mobile app. I think this is super cool because what it does essentially is it gives people immediate access to their checking accounts and funds by way of a debit card set up without having to wait for the physical card. It can happen instantly through the mobile app and as through the mobile apps, given phones. And as a result of that, you get immediate access to your funds. And for people that are living paycheck to paycheck, that type of instant access matters. We've written a lot about this. We think these types of inventions are important especially as you think of frontline employees and how do you continue to make their lives simpler and easier every day? And you're shaking your head. Yes, for sure. I mean, you start to look at, I mean, I like, I like the capabilities of branch overall and just getting people faster access to their funds. But when you think about the steps, especially if you're trying to get like an advance on your paycheck or, you know, during these times, you've got people dealing with all kinds of situations, trying to move money around to make ends meet. And so to be able to not only offer them the ability to get early access to the funds if they want to, but also to put those funds directly to mobile wallet so that they can go to contactless payment when they want to go, you know, buy their groceries. You're not adding another stop or another place that they have to go to and, you know, money or paper or things changing hands. That's, it's really just getting, get the bare bones of this is just getting more people, more access to their money faster and safer. And I think that's a win for everybody involved here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Emma, you, I mean, you, Emma, you, I mean, you've worked frontline retail and, and continue to, uh, what, what do you think on this one? I love the immediate access to funds. I like, it's so important when you're living that paycheck to paycheck lifestyle as you know, I did or have been for years living that, you know, broke 21 year old life. Right. But my question for how often are people getting new debit cards? Like, and that's my genuine question because what else would you, I just struggle to understand exactly what branch does outside of giving you immediate access to funds that you wouldn't have without the physical card. But how often are you getting a new card? Well, I think, I think, I think it comes in both ways. I think there's a, there's still, still people that are unbanked. And so if you are unbanked by nature, then you don't have this set up. And so that natural lag in having that arrive could actually make a meaningful difference to you. And then I think to your point, then the ancillary benefit to this too, is you have kind of this digital infrastructure set up already, whereby as you're getting your paycheck and whatnot, that can come to you quickly and possibly even, you know, with technology and advances and getting advances on, on what that is sooner than, you know, when you're typically getting it, um, that creates a lot of benefits for people too. So, so I think, I think that's what this is all about. You know, like I said, we've been talking about this for a long time bring it up today because it's an important space to watch. Again, what are the employee tools, whether it's how they get paid, how they share job shifts as we've done in some of our spotlight podcasts, how they, how retailers co-share workforces. There's a lot of things that can make people's lives better and more flexible. And especially right now in terms of everything that's going on with the pandemic. Um, so that's how, a cool yeah. story. How are you making things safer for your employees, which is a huge part of this, like focusing on retailers that are making, putting an emphasis on making the work environment safer. And in this case, the payment environment safer too. Yeah. And I think the key thing about safety is safety is also, uh, is, is also a function of psychology and financial 
uh, uh, security too. And so the safety under the pandemic is not just about the physical safety of working there, but it's also how do you just make people breathe easier as there's a lot of financial pressures coming on people, you know, day in and day out. All right. Well, that closes us up. Oh man. What do you guys have planned in the cabins this weekend? Emma, what are you guys doing? Today, we're going to go hike up a little mountain and then that's really it for today. We have different plans throughout the UP kind of throughout the week and whatnot, but we're going to go on a hike. Very cool. Very that cool. And, and, and what do you got? What are you, what are you doing um, up there? Oh, up North here today. It's the forecast is rain all day. So that means uh. all 35 plus Mazingas are going to be in a cabin together. Oh my gosh. Family reunion in a cabin with moose on the lampshades. Let's yes. go. That sounds amazing. Yeah, I don't have no big plans for me. It's Father's Day this weekend. So I'm looking oh, yes. Ha- I can't believe we didn't say anything. None of you happy said Father's, Father's Day, Father's Chris. Day. Hopefully happy Father's Day for the father of the Amitak team. Oh, thank you. And happy Father's Day to all your fathers, Emma and Anne. Um, uh, especially Mike. Wish, wish Mike well for me, please, Anne, as always. Um, and special to my father-in-law Lee, and to my and my father, my own father Chuck. God rest his soul. Uh, but yeah, thanks for tuning in. As always, you guys, we look forward to coming at you again next week. Remember, if you haven't already, please like, review, subscribe to our podcast, our videos. Every little difference makes a difference. You can listen to our podcast on the platform of your choice or wherever you listen to your podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud. Lots of options there. And as always, in closing, be careful.